You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here. It's a delight to have you with us today. We've been looking at the book of Acts. Today we're getting into chapter 5. We just finished up chapter 4 last week. And uh, if you have your Bibles, the NIV, we'll be starting at verse 1. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the men, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that, Peter's, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Amen. Let's pray. Wow. Father, we thank you for your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive what you are saying to the church today. We invite you to come and move among us to the glory and praise of Jesus. Amen. Dying all night. At the end of chapter 4, we have Joseph named Barnabas and how he, as it was, it was relayed from time to time, they would sell their property or their lands and they would bring it and lay it at the apostles' feet. The result of that was that there was no one that was in need 
in the early church. No one in the community of faith had any need. There was no needy person among them because of this. So we, we see an example of Barnabas. We see an example of one who was an encourager as he took what he had, laid it, put it at the apostles' feet for them to distribute. And then we see a contrast beginning in chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. There is so much in this story. My imagination just goes a thousand and one different places. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I like the gospel that we're raising the dead, that we're not taking the living and we're sending them into death. But here we have a, an interesting story. We have an interesting reality in the early church that they took their land, they sold it, and they brought some of it, but they presented it as if they were, had brought all of it. Now, I think with our Western mindset, there's, there's a real danger here that we're going to try to read so much into this passage. So I want to take it at face value. They had so much money, they together agreed that they were going to keep some of it for themselves. But they were presenting it as if they were giving it all to, to the apostles and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, you know, the scripture is very clear that you can do a lot of things in, in, in the way of being blasphemous. You can blasphemous the Lord. You can blaspheme the Lord Jesus. You can do all sorts of things. You can sin. But there's something about the Holy Spirit that Jesus is extremely protective of. He says, the only thing that's not forgivable is when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. The unpardonable sin is in relationship to what you do with the Holy Spirit. I would have never seen the two if Peter doesn't bring it out. As they bring, bring it and Peter asks, he says, is this, is this the price that you got for the land? Look at this. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart? What? There's some spiritual activity here that's, that's going on beyond just the realm of the text. This... this keeping some back for themselves. I don't know how to classify that. But Peter has awareness of what actually was taking place in their heart. That Satan had so filled their heart that they've lied to the Holy Spirit. Mm. Just a general exhortation. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Write, write that on your bathroom mirror, Whoa. your medicine cabinet. Do not lie to the Holy Spirit. It may be hazardous to your health. He goes on to say that you've actually, he has this, this knowledge that has been given to him from above, and he realizes that they kept some of the money that they received for the land. You know, I find it interesting that here Peter is aware of what has taken place here. And yet when Jesus was walking on the earth 
And as they, the 12 disciples was following him, we find that oftentimes Judas was kind of helping himself to the treasury. He was dipping in. And isn't it interesting? You can dip in in Jesus' account and you don't die on the spot. Now, Judas did have a pretty bad ending. That um, did catch up with him. But here, they died on the spot. Hmm. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? It, it was like, listen, folks, when the Lord has entrusted something into your care to steward, it's yours. Do with it what you want. If you want to give 50% to the Lord and you want to keep 50%, that's fine. Just don't pretend like you're giving 100% of it to the Lord. Don't pretend like you're giving 99% of the Lord and you're going to keep 1% back and present it as if you gave 100%. I don't know how the percentages work from God's judgment, but I would not do that. If you're going to give all, give all. If you're going to give partial, give partial. But be clear in your heart as what you give. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. That's he right. wants you to decide what's in your heart to give and to give that. So after it was sold, the money was at your disposal. What made you think of doing such a thing? And he makes an association between the thought to keep some of it back and Satan filling their heart. Now you can have a nice prayer time, meditation with Jesus, and just spend some time trying to understand that one. Don't know what that was, but there's something about in the early church, an authenticity that was to be so pure, and it was supposed to be so real, that there was no place for phoniness. There was no place for imitation. There was no place for imposters. An imposter would be seen immediately. Mm. And then he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. Mm. Now that's sobering. It said the result of that was that great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Now, how fast does it get through the rumor mill? Uh, you think this would get out? I mean, we got some young guys that are carrying out the dead body, wrapping it up, go digging a grave, burying and coming. And it sounds like it took them three hours to me. Three hours is a significant amount of time. And so they've gone and they've done what they need to do. And, and as that's happening, this is going viral. This is going all through the community and beyond the community. It's going out and everybody is finding out, oh, Ananias, ugh, yikes. And fear sees them all. Great fear, great fear. There's a place for fear. The enemy tries to use fear against us to paralyze us, to restrict us, to keep us contained, afraid to really move and exercise who we are in Christ. He constantly is trying to use fear in that to me. But the fear that was here was a holy fear. It was a fear of the awesome power of the living God. And that does not contain, that releases. And the fear that came upon them brought even a greater sense of release. And we'll see this as soon as we take care of the wife. We gotta to get to the wife. 
Three, three hours go by. Sapphira enters. We don't know what she's done. Has she been out to the shopping mall? I, I don't know where Sapphira was, but wherever she was, she was so engaged with what she was doing, she wasn't even thinking about Ananias. Wasn't planning on seeing him, came before Peter, and didn't even wonder where Ananias was. She came, three hours had passed. She did not know what had happened. So Peter asked her, Sapphira, tell me, is, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Oh man, I'm going, tell him, please, don't, 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 don't. Confess, confess. Yes, she said, that is the price. Wrong answer. How could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? How could you agree to do that? Sometimes I think we take things so nonchalant, so casual, we don't understand that he is a holy, 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 holy God. We find out when we go and we touch the cart on which the ark's riding, and boom. We, we find out just how holy he is in some most inopportune moments. How could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. OMG. I don't know what's going on in the heart of, the, of, of the, the believers. I don't know what's happening in Peter's heart. You know, when I see this, my heart grieves. My heart grieves that people so want a pretense that they will lie to make themselves look as though they've done something that they haven't done. That they want to have a piety that's seen by men rather than a righteousness that's secret and hidden with God. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Oh Two deaths in the New Testament that, that make me extremely sad. I call them needless casualties of war. They did not need to happen if they could only be honest about what they are doing in relationship to the Lord and to the community of faith. As a result, a great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This is repeated after both incidents. After Ananias' death, great fear seized for three hours. Three hours later, Sapphira's death, now a great fear seizes the whole church and all those who heard, because it's getting outside of the church at this point. So what happens when great fear seizes? If it was a fear that was coming from the kingdom of darkness, it would just paralyze and cause everybody to just say, well, we better be careful around God. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to, you know, we would, we would take, you know, the number of talents that we've received from the Lord. If we'd received five or three or one, and, and the one that had the one went and buried it for fear that he might do something wrong with it, or fear that God was really mean and so he was just going to bury it but no we see here an example of what happens 
when a godly fear comes upon the church, it gets mobilized, it gets active, and it goes out and it begins to, to function. Here's what we see. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Among the people. Who's the people? Is it the church? It goes beyond the church, doesn't it? It goes to the whole community. And a lot of folks in the, in the Jewish community at this point haven't even bought into who Jesus is yet. They don't know that he's the Son of God. They don't know that he's the true Messiah. And so we find that they haven't. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. And if you look at the temple, the Solomon's colonnade was, was that entry porch on the east side uh, of, the, of the tabernacle, of the temple. And it's like, okay, that's where they hung out. I was looking at some of the pictures of there. I have never been to the Holy Land. Anybody been into Solomon's colonnade? Anybody been to the Holy Land? Anybody been out of Indiana? Okay, okay, good, 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 good. Okay, we don't get around much, do we? Huh. So here they are, they're at Solomon's Colonnade. And they're, they're there and there's believers and unbelievers there. But this is where the believers were gathering. And we've got a pretty good group of unbelievers that are, that are there now. And they're meeting. But because of this, it says that no one else dared join them. <laughs> it's like, anybody want to join a group of people that if you lie, you die? Mm-hmm. Reminds me of, in seminary, we made up a, a, a fictitious book of the Old Testament. We called it the book of Hezekiah. And we had Hezekiah 5.5. 5. He who lies, fries. Mm -hmm. Ananias and Sapphira kind of inspired that. <clears throat> but no one else joined them because there was a holy fear. There was a fear of realizing this, this stuff is, is not casual. This stuff is not, you know, it, it's not a buffet. It's not a cafeteria where you come and you get to, to be selective and take what you want. And no, this, this, is, this is real stuff with a real God. <laughs> Great fear seized, and they were highly regarded by the people. Even though they were afraid, they were highly regarded. They, they were held with respect and honor. Because the people who would make a commitment and take upon the name of Jesus and be identified in the community of faith was part of a, of a, a living, very amazing but very dangerous group. Nevertheless, in the midst of all of that, they're still coming to Jesus. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Oh, by the way, Solomon's Columade, women were allowed in that part. It was still in, in, the, in the courtyard where the women were allowed. Mm -hmm. So more and more men and women were, believe, were believing the Lord and their numbers were increasing. Their numbers were increasing. We don't know how long this went, but we're going to find pretty shortly in, in, in the book of Acts that some more opposition came. But this time period could be years. 
this time period of, of the awe with which the early church was revered. With just this event, it was a landmark event that brought a real separation from just a Jewish religion into the religion of, of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the true Messiah. Hallelujah. And, and when we see that, we see that this has is, this is brought a new level of authenticity of relationship with God. It was once again to substantiate the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive sins, the power of his death and his resurrection and his ascension and the release of the Holy Spirit. It's all coming into focus now. And this isn't just a holy club. This is God's bride. This is God's people that he's always longed for to have a people of his own who would love and serve him in truth and in spirit. Mm -hmm. As a result, as a result, as a result, as a result, as a result of the great fear, as a result of the increase, we see that this thing is going absolutely exponential. It's more than addition, it's more than multiplication, it's, it's getting exponential at this point. The increase is, is just amazing. It has filled all of Jerusalem. Now it's going beyond Jerusalem to those around. And this is the reality of what happens when the living God shows up. They brought the sick into the streets. <laughs> they, they got every sick person that they could. And they must have known the route that the apostles would take, especially Peter. And they brought all the sick people out into the streets, laid them on beds and on mats. So at least that uh, Peter's shadow might fall upon some of them as he passed by. Now the word here for shadow we're not just talking about the shadow from the natural light of the sun that would cast a shadow, but here the word for, for the shadow is talking about the overshadowing, the overshadowing presence of God, the overshadowing that came upon Mary when the Holy Spirit overshadowed, overshadowed her and she conceived the Lord Jesus. It's, it's the overshadowing when the cloud comes on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus is transfigured right there on the mountain. It's that kind of overshadowing that's taking place. And it's on the apostles, it's on Peter, and it's to be upon us. And as we have the overshadowing of the Almighty, and as we, we walk as he walked, and the anointing comes upon, there is a, there is a release of presence that goes beyond just the definition of our physical contours of our body. It goes out. Some people who, whose bodies are so frail and so weak, they carry something of anointing in the Holy Spirit that shoots out way beyond where their physical presence is. Matter of fact, I believe that the Lord is really calling us to spend time with him in such a way as that overshadowing reality becomes something that we experience. And as we experience it, we're going to learn how to release it. And we're going to release it not just to where we are right now, 
but we're going to release it into our homes. We're going to release it into our neighborhoods. We're to release it in our communities. We don't want it just in this, this room, this sanctuary. We, we've, been, we've been asking the shadow of the Almighty to come here and uh, through the worship team and, and through the prayer and the ministry and, and trying to see this thing just saturated 24-7. <laughs> We're not there yet. But as we've seen, we sense that there is something here, that, the, that there is an overshadowing of the presence of God here. And when we come into this place, he meets with us and we connect with him. This needs to go out beyond the church property. This needs to go out to our homes and our communities, our neighborhoods, our marketplace, our grocery store. What are you going to do when you're going through mire and you're, you're going down the aisles and all of a sudden somebody over here is profoundly influenced by the love of God. Just because you went shopping, just because you decided to, to, to go play golf. I don't know why anybody would do that. But if you, if you, and all of a sudden, you know, all of the creation and all of nature right there is, is you get to join in in praising and worshiping the Lord with his natural revelation of, of his creation. And then those that you happen to go by, you have a chance to bless. Just think about all the different ways that we have an opportunity if we position ourselves with the overshadowing presence. Because the overshadowing presence of the Most High heals the sick. Yes. Yes. So the sick, they bring out and they put it on the path just, just by faith, hoping that you know, Peter's overshadowing presence is going to come upon them and healing is going to be released. I love that. And it continues. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond just Jerusalem. The crowds begin to gather from the towns around Jerusalem. This thing is really starting to mushroom. And as it's going out, they're bringing the sick and those that are tormented by evil spirits, the demonized. The sick and the demonized are being profoundly touched by God's presence flowing through his people, flowing through his servants, his sons and daughters. And it's bringing a transformation that is amazing. And all of them were healed. I love, I love, I love, I love all. I love all. You know, all gets highlighted in red in my Bible. I love all. And all of them were healed. I heard Randy Clark. He, he's a guy that was in the vineyard and the Toronto outpouring started when he went up in the airport vineyard in Toronto. And, and uh, now he, he goes all over the world and he's, he's kind of seen as a, 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 an evangelist uh, of healing. And he brings healing and stuff like that. And he'll talk about in meetings that when they go in, that they haven't already, they already have an expectation that probably 80% of the people are going to get healed tonight. Why? Because it's a healing service. And if you're, if you're not believing that God can heal, you probably wouldn't show up. And so when you bring your level of faith into a meeting that's designed for healing, then that gets 
brought into an atmosphere of an overshadowing presence of a loving Father, a powerful Savior, and an incredible Holy Spirit. And as that happens, it, 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 it marinates into an environment of healing. So I think they get real excited when they have 80%. And I'm just thinking, I want all. I don't know, how, how many percentage would you say all is? A hundred, a hundred percent. We want a hundred percent. Yeah, huh. That's really interesting. The crazy thing with healing is there's so many different dynamics to healing. Sometimes God can just come and heal sovereignly and it has nothing to do with where you are in your relationship with him at all. He just does it. But I find for most of us, there's a dynamic to our healing that is attached to something that usually we have to surrender, that we need to come in and confess, or we need to align ourselves with truth. We're believing a lie about ourselves. We're believing something about a trauma. We got a glitch. We got something where we got stuck. And there's, there's something that needs to be released for the healing to be received. The word this morning was willing, Linda shared. When the leper came and said, Lord, will you heal me? And the Lord said, yes, I'm willing. But it still takes something of a move. And Mike, thank you for the set. That we have to take a step by faith to move toward the very grace and goodness of a God who wants to do for us beyond what we could ever imagine. And so we got to take a step that moves us towards him. So I love this. I just think it's so cool. So I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to do today? This would be a good day yeah. to talk about healing and deliverance and have some healing and deliverance. Yeah. Of course, it's all in the backdrop of don't lie. <laughs> don't lie. If you lie, you die. Don't lie. You know, it's, it's like, don't fool yourself. Be honest. That's the thing that I love about the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. And you don't have to get religious with the Holy Spirit. You just have to be honest with the Holy Spirit. Don't say that you're, you, you don't have any pain if you don't have any pain. If you don't have any pain, say you don't have any pain. But somebody prays for you and you've got the same pain. Don't say, oh, by faith, I'm believing that I don't have any pain. Nonsense. If you still have pain, say, I still have pain. And we'll pray again. And if we pray again and you still have pain, we'll pray again. Now, here's what you've got to be honest about. I, I'm, I'm tired of the body of Christ, especially in the, in the religious community of faith, that we start doing these courtesy lies. We lie out of courtesy. Because you get one of these tenacious Bulldogs, I can't think of the, of the dog that's scary that once its jaws get you, it doesn't let go. Pitbull, Pit that's, that's the word I was looking. You know, you get one of these prayer warriors that's like a pit bull and they, they're going to pray for your healing and they're not going to give up until you get healed. And so they pray 22 times 
and you're, you're realizing that you're going to be here and the Colts are you know, going to be all the way through the fourth quarter if, if, you don't, if you don't give a courtesy lie and you say, yeah, I feel a little better. Don't do that. If you don't feel better, you don't feel better. And don't say you feel better by faith. Unless the Holy Spirit moves you to say, you know, I think the Holy Spirit wants me to, to move into faith on this. And I'm believing this afternoon it's going to happen. Yeah, if he does something like that, go ahead with that. But be honest. Be absolutely forthright honest because he is the spirit of truth. If anything that today's message should give us a heads up on, don't lie to him. Tell him the truth. Yeah. Hmm. And then let's see what he does. Let's see what kind of things he wants to do. I felt like the Lord said he wanted to heal us of some unbelief. Anybody think there's any unbelief inside them that still kind of lingers? Mm. I love Graham Cook who says he's come to bring the gospel. He, his, his gospel focus is to uh, go to believing, unbelieving believers. Go to unbelieving believers to see if he can get the unbelieving believers to believe what the word of God says, what the Lord says. I love that. I think, yeah, Lord, heal the unbelief in my heart. I've got faith for a headache, but I need to see the faith that's going to move the mountain. I, I need the kind of faith, Lord, that is going to see the cancer bow its knee to the Lordship of Jesus. That's what I want. So I think we need to pray for the sick. I think physically sick, you're, in, you're, in, you're included today. This is a good day for you. Spiritually sick. Some of us are physically sick, but our problem is we're spiritually sick. We need to, to know the power of repentance. We need to just come in agreement with what the Lord says in the simplicity of the gospel, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That says we're all without excuse. And that if we will <laughs> confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he came to the earth in the flesh, that he died on the cross, that he suffered, and on the third day he was raised from the dead. <laughs> and then he was, for a period of 40 days, post-resurrection appearances, where he's with his disciples and he's teaching them about the kingdom. And then he ascends into glory. He ascends into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, has released the Holy Spirit to the earth. Boy, this sounds like a lot to believe. <laughs> but it's all true. And ask him to forgive us and to come into our lives, to be Lord of our lives, to come into our heart, to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, to purify us. And a lot of times, a lot of times when, when we spiritually get whole, it's amazing how physically things start to come into alignment. And that brings us to mental wholeness. We have a huge need in our society today for mental healing, mental wholeness, mental health. Whether it's coming from the spirit realm where the demonic is tormenting us for sins that we've committed or evil that has touched us and he torments us with the trauma 
remembering trauma after trauma after trauma. He wants to heal our souls. He wants to heal the tormented soul of shame and fear. This is the negative fear. This isn't the fear that came that we see in chapter 5. This is the fear that the evil one uses to, to paralyze us and to keep us from being who we truly are. So, so those are some of the things that I felt like the Lord said he, he's wanting to do today. And while I was there, I was just kind of waiting one last second. And, and all of a sudden, I, I just had this, this little picture. Go figure. And it was like he wanted to heal divots in the heart. Divots in the heart. If you don't play golf, you don't know what a divot is. But a divot is the point where the ball, it's supposed to hit the golf ball and then hit the grass, the ground, and sometimes if it's a deep divot, it goes down and it plows and it takes a big chunk of earth out. Sometimes it can be a real shallow divot. But I, I, I think I, I heard the Lord say that he wanted to heal divots in the heart today. And in the natural, if you're on a golf course and there's a divot there, well, for me, if I hit a big one and it looks like I just blew my toupee, you know, five yards away, you go over and you pick up that swash of, of grass and you bring it over to the bare spot and you put it there and you, you step on it and you, you're hoping that the roots and everything's going to sink back up and it's going to take. But sometimes you can hit a divot and it just disintegrates everywhere and there's no patch of grass to bring back. And so in your golf cart, they have a little bottle of seed and fertilizer that you pour in the, in the patch. And then new grass will grow. The rain and the sun, and all of a sudden, then the land gets... Now, I think he said there's some divots in the heart. And some, we, we just got to go get the patch and put it back and stomp it down. But there's a lot of divots that just need the sprinkling of the seed of his word, of his truth, and of his love. He wants to release seeds of faith, and he, he wants to put there, and we want to water it, and we want to see the healing of the heart. So I don't know where you're at today, but if any of those hit you, I don't think I excluded anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm working on the unbelief. I'm just saying, Lord, I want to be a believing believer, you know, and keep working on that wherever it is. Let's just stand before him. The worship team's going to come lead us in this last song. You position yourself in a position to receive healing and freedom and deliverance and whatever the Lord wants to do for you today. It's great. Feel free. If, if you feel like you need to make a step of faith, you want to move to the front while they're singing and as, as we're, we're just saying, if you come to the front, we'll just know that we'll leave you alone, let you bask in the presence of the Lord. And then after you've basked for a while, we'll come and check on you and see if there's anything that we can assist in praying for. Okay? Father, we just thank you for your love today. And we just receive the fullness of your presence. We ask, Lord, that there would be a, a sense of the Lord Jesus walking through this place just as we've already received testimony of, and that there would be the overshadowing presence of you, Holy Spirit, upon us. And out of that overshadowing presence, Lord, you would release everything that's in your heart to release for us, your kids. 
For those that don't know you, I pray that they would know you more. For those that the gospel is too good to be true, I pray, Lord, that you reveal the truth of your word. And Father, everything that you sent your word to accomplish today, we say it will not return to you without having accomplished it. And we praise you and we thank you for the power of your word today. Let it rock our world. Let it bring freedom and wholeness and healing. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.